Thank you so much for tuning in today. You're listening to Westside Ministry San Diego with me, Ginger Cancino. Thank you so much for taking your time to listen to this teaching. I want to talk to you for a few minutes today about prayer. Prayer is so important. It is a conversation with God. It is communication with God. If we go days without communicating with our children or our husband, that relationships, those relationships can begin to fall apart. It's the same thing with our relationship with God. A relationship with God can begin to fall apart. And it's very important in this day and time that it does not fall apart. We need to draw closer to Him. We need to make sure that we are doing what He has asked us to do and be who it is He's asked us to be. And for just a few seconds, I want to talk to you about the um, the series out called The Chosen. If you have not watched The Chosen, I encourage you to do so. It is very very gripping. It's very <clears throat> eye-opening. Now, there are some things that are in the chosen that are not written in the Bible. For instance, Peter's wife's name. We all know that Peter was the only disciple to be married. We know that he had a wife and some children. But the Bible does not go into detail about who she was or what she did. <clears throat> in the chosen they gave her the name Eden which was a pretty common um, Hebrew name back in those days like Mary or Martha and so they gave her a name so that we could be personable with her when we watch the chosen we can put ourselves in her shoes and we can become closer to who she was she was Peter's wife. She did everything that a Hebrew wife was to do. She cooked, she cleaned, she took care of her husband, she took care of her children. And <clears throat> so they gave her a name, Eden. And that's fine. That's perfectly fine. I don't see it as, as anything wrong with giving her a name because she did have a name. But no one knows that name because it was not written in the Bible Another thing about Eden is in The Chosen, she has a miscarriage. And in the Bible, it does not say she had a miscarriage. How does anyone know if she did or did not? No one knows. Miscarriages happen quite often. Uh, they're very sad and, and hard to deal with when they do happen, but they do happen. <clears throat> but the reason that I feel like The Chosen put the miscarriage in there is because sometimes things happen and we can't explain why they happened but they still happened for a reason when it's a child when it happens to a child of God and the chosen makes us look at things like in the chosen uh, someone dies <clears throat> and the, the other person is asking Jesus to to do something about that but Jesus does not bring that person back to life. Why? Because sometimes it's just their time. 
And I believe that chosen helps people to understand that God's thoughts are higher than ours and God's ways are higher than our ways. We, we can and do get angry at God sometimes, but we should never disrespect him. And we should always pray and ask him to reveal to us why certain things happen. Because things in this world happen and it is unexplainable. And it hurts people. And people mourn. But the Bible says that it's going to rain on the just and the unjust. The Bible says that there's going to be life and death. People are going to be born. People are going to die. We, we were made out of dirt. And we'll return there. So when you watch The Chosen, it really helps us to understand that God is in control. And whatever God says goes, whether it hurts us or just about near kills us. Because when you've lost someone that you love very much, you can feel like you are completely dying inside. And I know there are people that are listening to me that have lost children and spouses and parents and very close friends, and at some point, you may have felt like you were dying yourself. And this world just can be so hard to push through and live sometimes. But God still asks us to live. He still asks us to push through. He still asks us to trust Him, even though we do not understand what is going on. He asks us to trust him. And that's one reason why prayer is so important. Because prayer is a conversation with God. It's communication. It is, it is friendship with God. <clears throat> if I went days without talking to my husband, that relationship would suffer. That's the same with our Heavenly Father. If we go days without talking to God, we can start to feel weak. We can start to let this world in and let it affect us in ways that it shouldn't. That's why prayer is so important. Now I want to start with Matthew 7 verse 1. It says, Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judged others, you will be judged. And with this, the measures you used, it will be measured to you. Let me just, let me just make some comments on this, these two verses. When we judge others, we are condemning them. We are saying, you are who I say you are. You are evil. You are vindictive. You are manipulative when that person may not even be that. But because we heard it from... Most of the time when we judge people, it's because we've heard it from someone else. Someone's come and whispered in our ears that you don't want to get around that person. That person's a narcissist. That person is manipulative. That person will lie to you and on you. That person will stab you in the back. Now, grant you, when someone comes up to me and says something like that about someone else, I may 
put up a guard a little bit when I go around that person. But I will go find out myself who that person is. Because I am not going to listen to other people because there has been so many that have been misjudged because someone just didn't like them for whatever reason and they started gossiping and lying about the person saying they were horrible when they were not. Now in the Bible, we are to judge other Christians. That's why God says, you'll know my people by the fruit they bear. That's why we have to understand that there are wheat and tare in the church. There are wolves in sheep's clothing in the church. We ask God for discernment. And if there is <clears throat> sinning in the church, the Bible tells us plainly what we're supposed to do. But when it comes to non-Christians, we are not, absolutely not, to judge these people. And when we judge Christians, we aren't to go up to them haltedly and puffed up and saying, you did this, you did that, blah, blah, blah. Let's say we know of two leaders in a church <coughs> committing adultery. We aren't to go up to them and start being haughty and, you know, condemning them. And, you know, I mean, come on, we all sin. All of us sin. But when leaders of a church sin, that's where people start getting into trouble because that is allowing sin into the leadership. Yes, there are people that sit on the pews every day that sin every single day. And we don't know them personally. We just ask God to give us discernment because there are people on the pews that act like they're Christians and they are not. But if you've got people in leadership that is acting like Christians and they are not. That has to be addressed quick, fast, and in a hurry because that church will fall if it's not. Now, there's nothing that leaders can do about congregants coming to church and sitting in the church and then going home and, and living like the world. We can't do anything other than help help to disciple and help to teach the Word of God to people like that. But when it's leaders, God holds leaders, teachers, preachers, deacons, elders at a much higher standard than he does just a congregant that comes in and sits and listens on Sundays. He holds, but don't get me wrong, that congregant's not supposed to sin either. We're all supposed to be repentant and we're all supposed to be working on ourselves. But God will hold leaders at a higher standard. So it says that we do not judge or that we'll be judged in the manner that we have judged. So again, you see someone on the street and someone says, oh, well, you know, that is a, that's a, a hooker or something, you know, and, and, and the woman may be dressed a little scantily. Okay. But that doesn't mean that she's doing anything like a hooker or anything. So we're not allowed to judge and, 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 you know, people that will say, oh, well, you know, when that person dies, they're going to hell. They are going to hell. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. If they accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior on their deathbed, they'll go to heaven. It is not for us to say who will go to heaven or hell. That is God's decision. That is God's judgment. I'm not God. 
And I am not going to sit there and say, oh, well, so-and-so down the street doesn't go to church, and they cuss, and they drink, and they smoke, and they, they're having people in and out of their house all the time. They're going to hell. Absolutely not. I would not say that. Because that is me putting judgment on someone that only God can put that judgment on them. I cannot send people to hell or heaven. Only God can. So, we should not even be saying anything like that because we do not know who at the end of their life on their deathbed will accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and make it to heaven. There's going to be people in heaven that we never thought would go. And there's going to be people that are not in heaven that we thought for sure would go. I watched this video on social media not too long ago and, and it was a it was a play at a church. And there was a man standing at the podium with a big book, and his name is Gabriel. He represented the angel Gabriel. And then there was a big booming voice behind him that represented God. And so Gabriel would call out someone's name, and they would come up, and the big voice behind him would say, Is this person written in my book, the Lamb's Book of Life? And Gabriel would look and say, Yes. And, and God would say, Enter in, thou good and faithful servant. Well, one person came up. And God asked him, is this person written in my book, the Lamb's Book of Life? And the man playing Gabriel looked and said, no. And this person started like crying and saying, wasn't I at church? Didn't I do functions? Didn't I do this for you? Didn't I do that for you? And he said, you did all of those things, but you did not love me. And you did not have a relationship with me. Depart from me. I never knew you. And then someone in a black robe playing Satan came out and grabbed this person and drugged them into the back of the church. And it was very gripping because there's going to be people that think just because they go to church every day and they teach Sunday school and they, they go to functions and they help out and they're friendly and they're nice, but they have no relationship with Christ at all. They don't pray. They don't read their word. They don't exhibit Christian character when they're outside of the church. They are not going to make it. Because there are going to be people that believe they're okay when they're not. And I want to make sure I'm okay. That I'm doing what God would want me to do. But I'm also having a close relationship with him. It's all about God. It's not about us. It's all about his will being done in our lives, not our will. Who cares about what we want? It's what God wants that matters. Okay, I'm going to go back to this because I'm, I'm, I'm going to start preaching here in a few minutes. <laughs> Sorry, there's a motorcycle that just went by. If you heard that loud noise. So I'm going to go on to verse 3. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you stay, say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take, that, first take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eyes, eye. That is saying that we have issues of our own. We are not to just go up to someone and say, okay, you are sinning. In the church, we're all, we all have issues. 
but I'm not going to go up to someone who is, let's say, gossiping all the time if I'm sitting there listening to it. And then I say, oh, well, you need to stop gossiping. You need to stop coming to, you know, us over here on this side of the church and telling us about people over there on that side of the church. That's ridiculous. You need to stop doing that. When I'm sitting there listening and participating in it, but then I start to get all holy and thou and say, oh, no, you got to stop this after this person's been doing it for years and I'm participating in it. Then I'm supposed to start fussing at them when I'm just as guilty as they are because I'm listening to it. We need to ask God to shine a light on our hearts and reveal to us what we are doing wrong. And let me tell you, he will not tell you everything at once. He'll give you one or two things. Because if he told us every single thing that we are doing wrong at one time, it would be so consuming to us that we would not be able to focus and take care of one or two things at a time. Because we all got a lot of flaws. We all got a lot of issues. They ain't not one person on this earth flawless. There is not one person on this earth that is completely and utterly righteous and holy. Not one person. I don't care how we think, how we feel. It is what the Word of God says. And it says there is none righteous. No, not one. We are to stay repentive. We are to stay on track with God. He understands us. He understands that we are human. He understands that we are not going to be perfect until we get to heaven. When we get to heaven, we're going to be absolutely perfect then. Perfect. But we're not going to be until we get there. And he understands that. He has so much patience and love for us that he forgives us every time. Even when we willfully sin, he forgives us. But we must repent and turn from that. If we're out here just sinning just because we want to sin, because we're like, oh yeah, God will forgive me, God will forgive me, woohoo, I'm just going to sin and then ask for forgiveness later. First of all, we have to really be repentant. If we're out here sinning all the time, willfully, willy-nilly, just doing what we want to do, and then we say, oh God, forgive me, is that true repentance? He's going to know. He's going to know if our heart is true repentance or not. And if, it's, and if it's not, he's not going to forgive us. Just because we say, oh, God, forgive me, doesn't mean we're going to be forgiven if there's not true repentance in our heart. It's just like asking Jesus Christ into our lives. Oh, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me my sins. Be my Lord and Savior. If we don't mean that with our heart, Jesus did not come into our hearts. If we're just saying it just to go along with the crowd or just to get somebody to date us or, or to feel a little better about ourselves, but we don't really mean to put Christ in our lives and our hearts, then he did not get in our hearts when we asked him to because it was not genuine. God knows these things. We think we're hiding it from everybody. Oh, the neighbors don't know or, oh, the pastor doesn't know. Well, God knows. And the Bible says that we should not fear man at all. What can man do to us? Nothing. 
He can take this life. But we are to fear the one that can send our souls to hell, which is God. We are to reverence and fear him and respect him and love him. We are to worry about other people. But we just seem to think sometimes that if we're hiding it from our neighbors or our pastors or our congregation, brothers and sisters, that it's okay. No, it's not okay. God sees all. I can't see through the walls of my apartment here in San Diego to my neighbors to see what they're actually doing, what they're actually like. I can't do that, but God can and God does. God sees all. He knows who we truly, absolutely are. And we will be judged by who we are, by our hearts. When we stand before God and our names are not written in the Lamb's book of life, but we still said a little sinner's prayer, it's because we did not mean it. We did not mean what we said. And that is scary because I want to make it to heaven one day. I want to live with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to sit by the crystal sea and feel the cool breeze and pick fruit off the tree of life and eat it. I want to walk the streets of gold while Jesus shows me around and tells me, oh, over there's your dad's mansion, over there's your mom's mansion, there's your sister's mansion, your husband's mansion, your mansion, your children's mansion. I want all my family up there. I want to sit with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and talk to them. I want to talk to Moses and say, how in the world did you deal with all of these people in the desert for 40 years? All the complaining and the murmuring and the whining that they did. How did you deal with this? <laughs> I look forward to heaven. I look forward to being with God. I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't want to be a fake fence riding Christian. And if there's people out there listening today that are fake fence riding Christians, you got you said the sinner's prayer just to impress someone or to get someone to date you or or just to go with the in crowd or something like that. You need to rethink what you did. And you need to really Really, really make a commitment to Christ and spend time in prayer every day. Spend time in the Word every day and really serve Him. Really serve Him. Matthew 7, verse 6. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they will trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. We are not to argue with people on social media we could argue with people day and night because there's people that don't believe the way that we do they don't believe that jesus is real and and you know that he's returning soon or anything like that of course we could we could argue with people up one side and down the other we aren't to do that because the gospel is sacred we aren't to we aren't to throw the gospel which is the pearl before swine 
We aren't to do that. If people aren't going to listen to the gospel, walk away. Pray for them, but walk away. We don't need to stand there and argue with people that will not listen. Matthew 7, verse 7, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Verse 8 goes on to say, For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks the door will be open. What God is saying here, or Jesus, this is, this is written in red. What Jesus is saying here is that if you ask it according to God's will, it's going to be done. But if you don't ask it, you're not getting it. It's like me. If I go to a, a drive-thru at, at Jack in the Box or Burger King or McDonald's, and I don't ask them for what I want, I want a burger or, you know, some chicken strips or something and some fries. But if I just sit there and I don't say a word and they're calling to me over the loudspeaker saying, can I take your order? And I say nothing to them, but then I drive up to the window. I'm not going to get anything because I didn't ask. It's the same thing with God. If I don't ask God to take control of my life, if I don't ask God to give me wisdom, knowledge, discernment, and understanding, if I don't ask God for the seven spirits of the Lord in Isaiah 11 too, the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and of fear of the Lord, I'm not going to get them. If I don't ask God, Jeremiah 33, 3, call up you, if I call upon him, he will answer me and show me great and mighty things I do not know. If I don't ask him to show me great and mighty things I do not know, he will not show me. Why? Because he's not going to be pushy. He's not going to push himself on anyone. If someone loves him, they're going to ask him, be Lord of my life. Take control of my life. I surrender it all to you. I want your will done in my life no matter what. Give me discernment. In James, it says, if you lack wisdom, ask for it and he will give it to you. Ask him for wisdom. We need wisdom discernment, understanding. If you ask him to show you someone's heart, he will. I have done it several times and he has showed me every single time someone's true heart. Sometimes it was good, sometimes it was bad. But he has always shown me because he doesn't want us to be deceived. He doesn't want us to go around in this world and be deceived. He wants us to know the truth. His truth and his truth will set us free. We won't be manipulated. We won't be caught off guard because he will give us the tools that we need to be able to do what he has called us to do. And that is amazing. But we've got to ask for it. Don't be afraid to ask for it. Don't be afraid to seek. We will find if we ask. I just, I love God so much. He is so wonderful and so amazing. And he is, he is there and he does listen. He does hear. I know that there are people out there listening to me that have had um, prayers answered. I know you have. I've had many answered. Sometimes he answers with a yes. Sometimes it's a maybe. Sometimes it's a no. 
when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was praying, if this cup could pass from me, please let it pass. He was talking about his crucifixion that was coming up. If it could pass from him, if there's another way that humanity could be saved without him dying on the cross, to please let it be that. But then he says, but not my will, but thy will be done. What he's saying is, is yes, what he's got to go through is going to be painful. Yes, what he's got to go through is going to be scary. But he knows that he wants his father's will done in his life no matter what. And he was willing to do what the Father has called him to do. And we must rise to that same place that Christ did. We must be willing to do what God has called us to do. No matter what. We have to be willing. Every single disciple died by being martyred except for John who was put on the Isle of Patmos, but he was tortured, beaten, he was burned, but he still did not die. And so they stuck him on the Isle of Patmos, and that's when the Holy Spirit gave him the writings of the book of Revelation. Being a Christian sometimes is not going to be easy, but the Bible says that only those that endure will be saved. Do not turn from God for any reason whatsoever. If people are mocking, making fun of, cussing you out, beating you up, pushing you around, taking you to court and suing you because you wouldn't sell them a, a wedding cake because they were a homosexual couple. That's happened, happened several times. Stand for God. This world is nothing. This world will be destroyed by fire. It is nothing. Only God. He's the one that matters. God. In the next episode, we're going to start with verse 9 of Matthew 7. And I think we'll go all the way through Matthew 7 because it's very, very informative. Thank you so much for listening. That's a loud truck going by. <laughs> Sorry. Thank you so much for listening, and God bless.